Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Once again, I am welcoming you back after a bit of an extended break. Over the last month, I was able to attend the SING 2021 conference hosted by Keith and Kristen Getty in Nashville, Tennessee. And I also was able to go on a wonderful family vacation with my family. And it was great to be able to do those two things. But I'm excited to be back in the recording studio and sharing some material with you. And this week, our podcast actually begins a return to its roots. The original idea for the Jed Breaks Bread podcast came out of one of my Sunday school classes where I was teaching the class and some individuals in the class were like, hey, I missed a week or I'd like to listen to that again. Is there any way we could get a recording of it? So I tried recording it through our church's audio software and it worked okay, but there was a lot of dead spots and quiet spots where people ask questions, you couldn't hear things. And eventually I just decided, you know what, maybe I should just re-record my lesson on Monday and turn it into a podcast. And then people can download it. They can listen to it whenever they want to. And so the Jed Breaks Bread podcast was born. And this week we return to our roots because we're going back to recording Sunday school lessons. So Right now in our church, we have two different Sunday school classes for adults going on. One is a survey of church history, and the other one, which I'm teaching, is entitled An Introduction to the Creation Ordinances. An Introduction to the Creation Ordinances. And that's actually the topic of today's lesson. What are the creation ordinances? You may have heard this term before. You may not have. I don't, I don't know what your familiarity is with it. But I know this, our elders and our pastors at the chapel, we just FYI, elder and pastor is synonymous at the chapel. So if you're a pastor, you're an elder. And if you're an elder, you're a pastor. Okay. End parentheses. And in our meetings, we, we utilize the creation ordinances or the principles set forth by God in the creation ordinances at, to help us determine what to teach our people, and how to instruct them. Now, this is not the only thing that we use, but we look at the creation ordinances and say, okay, here's what God intended for his creation to operate well. Here's what God wanted. Here's the regulations that he set forth. And what can we teach that will help bring our people into conformity with those regulations? And there is a, a dual responsibility, okay? As an individual, I have a responsibility to obey and respond to the creation ordinances. And then I believe also as a church, we have an opportunity to practice the creation ordinances. And then finally, the creation ordinances are actually to be something that is beneficial to all of society, whether you're a member of the church or not a member of the church. That's what God's original intention for the ordinances was, that they would be beneficial and they would establish boundaries for both God's people and everyone else. Now, 
I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Let's go ahead and define these ordinances or what it means to, to even have an ordinance and what is a creation ordinance. Well, Webster's Dictionary says that an ordinance is an authoritative direction or decree. The word order is used as a subset of the definition. And the example given by Webster's Dictionary is this. On that day, the king signed three ordinances. And so we, we can understand from this definition that an ordinance is a law set forth by a governing authority. Okay? A law set forth by a governing authority. So a king, if we lived in a monarchy, would be setting forth governmental regulations and rules. In our uh, society, in our type of government, we don't have kings who give ordinances, but we have local municipalities. So you have like a local mayor's office, or we have, you know, beyond local mayor's office, uh, you have state governments, you have federal governments, and all of them can give ordinances. They can provide decrees that establish the boundaries of life. Okay, let's call it that. They establish decrees that indicate the boundaries of life. Um, For example, city ordinances can forbid construction before certain times and after certain times. And there are building ordinances that... um, prevent buildings from being built in a style that is not in conformity with what a village or a municipality desires. When human governments use ordinances, most often they are used to tell you what you cannot do. All right, so these are the things that you should not do. And so it draws basically a large square around your life and says, you can't do any of these things here. So if we are going to summarize this definition, we would say that ordinances provide a structure and a framework for how individuals are to act within the larger community. They are rules that establish the norms and the boundaries of your local city, your state, and even your country. And we can think of examples, all kinds of examples of ordinances that we have to put up with and deal with in regular life. So I think you understand the idea of ordinances as a framework, ordinances as a, as a boundary that prevents you from doing certain things. Now, if we were to consider this definition of ordinances, that is a authoritative decree or direction, and that is a law set forth by a governmental authority, what would we expect the creation ordinances to do? And who would establish them? Well, it's probably easier to start with the second half of that question, right? Who establishes the creation ordinances? Well, obviously the creator. And and who is the creator? We know that all three members of the Godhead were involved in the creation of the universe. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit played a role in the creation of the universe. And so they alone these three members of the Godhead did all the creating of everything that you see. And because they 
as God created, there is no higher being, there is no higher authority than them. And within the Godhead, there is even a hierarchy to which God the Father exists as the head, and then the Son submits to the Father, and the Holy Spirit submits to both the Father and the Son. And we find that in John chapter 16. But getting back to who is the one who establishes the creation ordinances, I believe it's God the Father. It's his plan, his purpose. Uh, It was carried out by the Son and by the Spirit, but God the Father establishes the creation ordinances. And because he established them, and the Son and the Spirit agree, there is no one who can change the ordinances that were established by God. No person can change the ordinances as established by God. Now, I want to submit to you something to really consider. Ordinances established by you know, human governments are typically prohibitive in nature. They tell you what you can't do. So you, you can't build a building that violates the city ordinance, city building code. God's ordinances are both prohibitive and prescriptive. All right, did you catch that? They are prohibitive and they are prescriptive. They prohibit certain activities, but they also prescribe other activities. And because they are prohibitive and prescriptive, I believe that God's creation ordinances, when we look at them in total, they establish and regulate both the moral and social norms and boundaries that God intends for mankind. Think about that. They establish and regulate the moral boundaries and the social boundaries. They prescribe what is correct to do, and they also prohibit what is incorrect. Because they are both prohibitive and prescriptive, we should expect these creation ordinances to affect every individual who ever has lived or ever will live on the earth. These creation ordinances were given by God to mankind in order to provide structure and direction for all of his creatures so that we would know how to live and interact with one another, so that we would know how to manage the creation that he has bestowed upon us. And so these creation ordinances, though we acknowledge them as Christians and we want to conform our lives to them, they they don't affect Christians only. They really affect everybody in the entire world. And this is really important to understand. God did not give them solely for his quote-unquote chosen people. He gave them for everyone in the world. And when I go through and list these ordinances off in just a moment or two, you will understand that Satan is attacking every single one of these ordinances. Satan wants to either undo it or pervert it. Why? Because Satan wants to undo or pervert everything that God does. 
And when you look at what are the battles that are being fought in our culture right now, the battles that we are fighting in our culture are battles that involve the redefinition of the creation ordinances. That's what the battles are. And why? Because Satan, again, wants people to reject God, to think that what God says is foolish, to think that God's order is dumb, and he wants people to live by, quote-unquote, their truth. Live by your truth. Follow your heart. Do what feels best to you. Of course, if you do what feels best to you, you're going to reject what God says is best for you. My friends, this is an important point, and we cannot forget it. We cannot overlook it. So let's talk now about what are the creation ordinances. I have listed five here, but I may, I may subdivide these, and I may even add another one. So without further ado, let me list these creation ordinances for you. The first one that I think we encounter is the dominion or the authority that God bestows upon humankind. God bestows a certain dominion and authority to people, and that is an ordinance that we are to consider and practice. And here it is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then God said this in verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and what? Subdue it and what? Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God has given to mankind an ordinance of authority. We have a responsibility to rule, not in a domineering manner, but in a manner that would recognize the need for good and profitable stewardship so that all of creation is blessed by our rule and none of creation is, is hurt or harmed by our rule. And humans have done a, a more or less poor job of that over the course of the centuries. Why? Because of the curse of sin. But that's the first creation ordinance. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that these are in any particular order. They're not really in any particular order, but this is just the order I'm giving them to you. The second uh, creation ordinance would be that of gender and marriage. Okay? Gender and marriage. God created mankind, and he created them male and female. We just saw that in Genesis 1.26. And then in Genesis chapter 2, all right, we see how the creation of Eve came about in a more specific way. And at the end of Genesis 2, we see that God had a purpose for bringing Eve to Adam, and that was that a man, Genesis 2.24, will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. So we have gender and marriage. Those two things are linked together in an unbreakable fashion. You cannot separate those two, gender and marriage. Okay, And that takes us to the third creation ordinance. The third creation ordinance is that of procreation. Okay, 
What do a man and a woman do when they get married? They procreate. That means they produce offspring. They produce children. In Genesis 1.28, again, we already read it, but I'll, I'll look at it again just for your sake. God said to them, this is man and woman, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. One of God's stated purposes for man and woman is that they would be fruitful and multiply. Now, it's not a, it's not a sin if you're somehow unable to have children, but God says one of the goals of getting married, one of the purposes of marriage is to have children. You should be having children. Procreation is an important creation ordinance. A fourth creation ordinance that we find is that of labor. All right, labor is an important ordinance because it establishes what man should be doing with his time. Did God just create us to lay around all day, to enjoy everything? No, even in the Garden of Eden, which was a perfect place, God said to Adam that he needed to work. He needed to work. He had a responsibility to tend the garden. And this work was challenging, but it wasn't as sweat-producing, let's say it that way, as the work became after the fall. You see, before, before the fall, before the curse of sin, the creation cooperated with Adam as Adam worked it. But after the fall, the creation does not cooperate with Adam. The creation acts according to the curse of sin that has been placed upon it, and it grows thorns and thistles instead of just beautiful flowers all the time. And there is decay and disease and other things that occur that would never have occurred before. And so man continues to have to work, but he just must work harder and more intensely than he did prior to the fall. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention the scripture reference. The scripture reference for the ordinance of labor is Genesis 2, 5, and 15. Genesis 2, 5, and 15. And um, finally, we get to the fifth creation ordinance, and that is that of the rest principle. The rest principle, or as some of our brothers like to call it, the Sabbath. And this is Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. When God, at the end of the six-day creation period, rests on the seventh day. Okay, so, thus the heavens and earth were completed, and all their hosts. And by the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now, think about this. Did God need to rest? Absolutely not. But God rested as an example to mankind so that man would order his life around six days of work and one day of rest. And that day of rest was to be used specifically for worship. And we're going to talk about that more in detail when we talk about the rest principle. So there you have it, the five creation ordinances dominion or authority, gender and marriage, procreation, labor, and the rest principle. And these are 
the five ordinances that we are going to be studying over the next 12 to 14 weeks. And I hope that as we study them, you will be challenged to think about how you can live according to God's ordinances and how God's ordinances ought to be put into practice in both church life and perhaps even in the life of our society at large. My friends, thank you for your time and attention, and I pray that you'll be blessed by this study.